One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Red Men Weekly Podcast, a show where we bring you some of our best clips from our Red Men Plus content for the previous week. The Reds might have had a break from playing, but Red Men TV have had no break at all. We've still been producing loads and loads of shows, and we're about to bring you clips from them now. Say it every week. RedmenPlus.com is the place to go if you want these shows in full, either as videos or as podcasts. And as ever, through the month of January, our free month code is still running. If you sign up as a monthly captain, use the promo code CLOP, K-L-O-P-P. When you sign up, you'll get your first month completely free. If you cancel within that first month, you won't pay a penny and you'll get all these great shows. You can check them all out as well as our complete back catalogue of stuff. Right then, let's get underway. First up is the Biased Football Podcast. You've got Paul, Chris, Dan and Chloe, and yet they had a chat about Liverpool's rivals. It's the one show where we get to be a little bit non-Liverpool-focused. So yeah, check out this week's Biased Football Podcast. Right, um, okay, so let's do uh, some of the general football stuff. Um Everton Forest facing league sanctions. Now, this story has moved on since the show started. I've not seen any of the updates. I love that. Uh, so I'm going to read this first from Martin Ziegler. Dan's on the Twitter zip over there. good news. good news, everyone. Martin Ziegler, breaking Everton and Nottingham Forest face point deductions <laughs> charged by Premier League with breaching profit and sustainability rules. Second charge of season for Everton, who would dock 10 points oh in God. November. If they get another 10-point deduction, they are down. They are down. Give them the 10 more points. The precedent is set now, isn't it? In Give normal the, yeah, course of action, it means 10 point action. Uh, 10 point action yeah, it's got to be 10. That's fucking hilarious. Uh, I'm going to see if I can move this on a little bit. Um, Independent. The athletic. Um, Nottingham Forest haven't been referred to an independent commission over alleged breach of profit and sustainability rules. Okay, cool. Joe, I feel like he could have given me more than that, I'll be honest. Um, Just go straight to Ornstein's. And we've got article. the... Yeah, we've got the... Um, and Everton, Everton have released a statement, which I'm going to get up momentarily. Corrupt, it's just the Premier League. <laughs> in pink. Everton's statement reads, Everton Football Club acknowledges the Premier League's decision to refer a breach of profit and sustainability rules for the assessment period ending with the 22-23 season to an independent Premier League commission. This relates to a period which covers 1920, 2021, 21-22 and 22-23. <laughs> Yawn, okay. Uh, and the 20, it therefore includes the financial periods, 19, it said again, for which the club has already received a 10-point sanction. 
The club is currently appealing that sanction. The Premier League does not have guidelines which prevent a club being sanctioned for alleged breaches in financial periods which have already been subject to punishment, unlike other governing bodies, including the EFL. As a result, and because of the Premier League's new commitment to deal with such matters in season, the club is in a position where it had no option but to submit a PSR calculation which remains subject to change pending the outcome of the appeal. The club must now defend another Premier League complaint, which includes the very same financial period for which it has already been sanctioned before that appeal has even been heard. The club takes the view that this results from a clear deficiency in the Premier League rules. Everton can assure its fans it will continue to defend its position during the ongoing appeal and should it be required to do so at any future commission and that the impact on supporters will be reflected as part of the process. So what they're saying is you've you've you decided to twice. Yeah, you've decided to judge us for previous stuff. You've decided this season to do that. And then in, in this year you're doing the next load. I... I'm not asked. Get it all done now because you should have been down two years ago when it should have been handed the ten point deduction. So I think this is the thing. If they would have got that ten point deduction the year it happened, they'd have been relegated. So you might as well just get twenty points this year and get relegated in my eyes. The Premier League are playing fast and loose with the the laws here, though, aren't they? Oh no, like, they are a hundred percent. As hilarious as it is, there is Everton again. Like they are moving the goalposts all the time on these mm-hmm. clubs, and that doesn't feel right either. To be fair, especially to do it in season, make the rule change, and then when they're scrapping this whole thing mm-hmm. in August anyway, and then City still isn't going to be resolved. It just feels a bit. It feels a bit our last, to be honest with you. It does, but the only thing I can assume they're doing is trying to make Everton the... An example. Yeah, yeah. an example of... And scare Manchester City, because if somehow Manchester City get away with it, then yeah, it's 100% corrupt, because there's no way Everton can get That statement there where they're saying, like, you know... You've, you've done, Everton are saying you've done it wrong like Everton aren't going to have City's lawyers and if they're looking at it and going you're doing this wrong City's mm. just going to get out of it yeah. they'll yeah. get them on a technicality or something it does feel a little bit like I mean look the other flip side of this is we said this at the time with the Everton one initial Everton one was it feels a bit like the Premier League are just this is like a warm up like they've mm. got to prove that they can deliver upon this and you're better off doing that. It's like a tr- having a training game against your resis, you know, I mean, on footy manager or, you know, start off some warm-up games with lower-level teams, get you, you know, sharpen yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Warming, the, warming the legal team up against, the, you know, a pack, a pack of losers <laughs> before they have to go up against, you know, the, um, the, the first game of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Everton can't even afford to fucking pay a lawyer at the moment, otherwise they'll breach They've actually failed this one because of the money they spent on the legal case fighting the last one. Yeah, that's just Wait, amazing. Can I just say something though? When we spoke to Toffee TV earlier, they just mentioned, oh no, it won't be another point deduction, it'll just be a fine or something. That instantly goes to point deduction. That doesn't it does say, mention fine. They do does mention it say fine. fine? Else, okay, fair enough. But ultimately, like, the problem is, not there's loads of problems in and amongst this, but the Premier League are trying to implement these fines, punishments, whatever, in season when the charges are brought, but that isn't sustainable because Manchester City exists. So I don't know why they're bothering saying that as a thing when it's literally impossible. They've got to draw a line somewhere. That's the problem. The problem is the City makes a mockery of the whole thing because that's been ongoing. And all the... the, I've been reading up on it this week. All the the Athletic keeps saying... They think it'll be another two years before they can even get well, to back the, in the, the next end. season is where the start date I believe that's been penciled in and and you know so and of course a lot of this is not the Premier League's fault. It's because City are doing everything in their power to obfuscate yeah, the situation, yeah, slow play, you know, draw it out in any way possible, which is also what a lot of the 
115 charges actually relates to more yeah. than the actual improprieties of them breaking the actual financial rules. Um, but this is the thing, it goes with all things. Whenever you set the problem with setting rules is whenever you set a rule in any walk of life, it always benefits some people more than others, and it'll cross some people like you draw a border around somewhere and it'll be you know change a catchment area for a school and someone it'll benefit someone and someone else will lose out so i get your point but if you're gonna try and have a stay in a hand you've got to start somewhere mm. but i agree it look it's just, it looks fucking stupid because it's like clear your backlog first before yep. you move on to this but again what are we going to do have two more years of clubs flouting the rules yeah. and then what happens when you try to bring that in two years and you realise when because the accounting periods then cover those years it, and you've it, not fucked Everton it for it it needs to go in season it needs to mm-hmm. because it's all the relegated clubs that it's affecting yes. that's, that's exactly what compensation claims but are getting like come on shouldn't that have just started from the beginning it's not the most stupid thing that they've done. But it, but yeah, but it's like yeah, but it's like threatening your kids with something and then realizing that you've actually got to follow through with the the, 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 the mm. sure it's like like nuclear um, nuclear deterrent like we've got all these nukes don't do not piss us off or we're gonna nuke the shit out of you and that works. But then what happens when someone goes actually nah you know what I'll, I'll launch when you go ah well. The, fuck I'm gonna have to do something about the it. other worry for Everton is that they've already sent the benchmark is like a you know a 10 point deduction for every time you breach it and it would be mental if nottingham forest only got away with a let's say fine and a slap on the hand when everton got deducted 10 points so it's now in a sticky place of well you're gonna have to give the same reasoning for Nottingham Forest, which therefore means you're going to have to give the same reasoning to Everton again, because there's two teams that can drop into the bottom two, which means two more teams can be promoted. So you're going to have all of those legal, you know, cases going on if they don't get it. But my point is, if you just let Nottingham Forest get away with it and just give them a fine, it's a bit mad. I wonder if it's scaled appropriately. So, for instance, if Nottingham Forest... They were like 16 mil over, though. Yeah, but maybe, let's just say, for argument's sake, the Nottingham Forest are £500,000 over, then all of a sudden you okay. can scale it back, can't you? You know what I mean? Yeah. But you are right, ultimately. Yeah, you are. I, I, I doubt that. I disagree only with that. that, you know, because... A breach is a breach. A breach is a breach. Yeah, okay. yeah. But therefore, there needs to be something set in stone that says if you breach... Is this now set in stone at this point? Well, this is, the argue not. this is the problem that the Formula One have in, in trying to do it. When they, when they did Red Bull and they took the wind tunnel time off them and stuff it was because they'd accounted it wrong not in the eyes of how the FIA wanted it to be accounted Mm. so they've put something in I don't know research that should have gone in this and because they've put it in research, it didn't count towards it. So they went, no, you can't have that there. You're, you're cheating on the accounting. We'll put it in here and you go over by a million mm. because of the way. And this is the problem with football clubs and the accounting side of things. It's so complicated. They do it in such a mad way to try and get around yeah, these course, rules. Yeah. It's not, accounting isn't black and white, which you'd think it will be. There's loads of grey areas. So, you know, Everton argued from the off that it was the stadium and actually you've looked at it in a different way, which has taken us over because they'd accounted and they were right. Everton didn't say, our accounts are wrong here, lads, sorry, here it is. They accounted for it, went, passed it in and and they went, no, you can't have that. That stadium goes in here and all of a sudden you're over. But they are doing them for the same thing twice. It's probably the same accounting problem with the stadium that's caught them up twice. It's a bit, you know where the hard part is though, it's a bit like you are speeding on the motorway and you get a flash 
and you still continue well, to do the same speed. No, 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 but you get a flash. But then what happens if you then get another one? You do, you do two on the same trip. Well, you've technically done two. You've, you've, you've broken the speed limit yeah, twice. slow down, boss. No, no, but this is the thing. It's it was only one speed. But that's the thing, isn't it? You still, you've just, that's what they've done. It's it's right, because if they're still doing it, but the problem Continue is, it's, right, it's not being, because I think the most disappointing thing probably for them is they're thinking, we'll appeal this 10 points, we'll probably get it reduced because that's what appeals are all about, isn't mm-hmm. it? You know what I mean? Christ, look at say that. Um, and then now this has come along, it's probably a bit like, well, let's fuck that. You know, so any hopes of we might get the 10 points reduced to five is like, well, how are you getting a 10 points reduced to less and then taking a fine for for them breaking it as well? So... It's a, it's a mess because they're still answering the last kit, which I get every Also, fine, finding clubs who fail, profits and sustainability is mental. Yes. Just yes. generally speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's yeah. the other thing is that I, I physically, I don't understand how they can't give both of those teams a point deduction because they've already set the bar that breaking a breach is a point deduction. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was 10 points and therefore if anyone does it again and I'd be furious if for Everton, if Nottingham Forest got away with Nottingham yeah. Forest shouldn't get away with it. But the problem is, is Everton will probably want them to now get away with it, so it means they well, get away Forrest with it again. Forest are apparently claiming as well that they, they obviously sold Brennan Johnson, but it came after the accounting period, so mm-hmm. they're, trying, they're going to say, yeah, we know, but... But you still didn't but get it, we're on the right. We're, we're clearly on the right path. And then this comes back to how... how steadfastly do you stick to the wording of the rules and how actually watertight are they? Because if you then open up to negotiation, I have this, I have this with my daughter, little terrorist. You know what I mean? When I go, you don't negotiate with you don't negotiate with terrorists. You go, this is the thing. The second you go, oh, well, maybe... You've just you've given up. You know you know that there's a there's a way for you to ultimately work and get exactly what you want out of it. So how the Premier League handle this is going to be really 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 interesting, and whether there's anyone else to follow. You know what I mean? If, beyond this, if Nottingham Forest don't get a point deduction, I don't think Everton should have got a point deduction. You can't have one for one. I, I despise Everton. I cannot stand them. I'd love them to go down. But if Nottingham Forest get away with just a fine, no matter how far over it is, if you've yeah. breached it. And Everton get a, a, a ten point deduction. Even I'm sat here saying that's not fair. That yeah, it is all mad, isn't it? I mean, again, it goes back to the point of is it is it just about it being a breach or are there scales to the breach? Do there have to be scales to the breach? There has to be. But also, what's the minimum threshold? Is it the second you've broken it mm-hmm. by a penny, then that's ten points? Is that what they're saying? Or, and then it's a and then it's ten points and upwards, mm. or is it? 10 points is the most you're going to get and it's 10 points well, and, da- and downwards or is 10 points somewhere we don't know we've got no idea of what the scale of this is because it's all so 10 new. points was 16 million for this that what they were what if think of how many players Nottingham Forest have signed say they're I'm not saying they're 100, but say they are something like 100 mil. You can't be docking them like 50 points. You yeah. can't be doing that. You could. You could. Yeah. I, I don't think you can, though, in my eyes. Like, 50 points is... You can do it to Manchester City. Please do. Um, but what I'm saying is... But you have... If, but you have. To, but, but that's the point. You, you kind of have to be able to, because what? Why you could just spend a billion pounds... And, and, yeah. and run the same, the same punishment can't be true for two billion pounds over as it is but for then, a penny over. The needs to be, but it feels like the minimum was ten. Is what I'm saying. Sixteen million football no. world isn't a lot. I don't know. I I think there's a point where expulsion is the only answer, because spending two billion over it says to me 
you're not playing our game, mate. Yeah, you know absolutely. What I mean? and, that's, and I know it was just a random figure. To yeah, no, yeah, and this point, is yeah. this is where it's complex. Complex, my understanding. You're not even difference. trying to play yeah, inside exactly. the rules. Yeah. yeah. The difference between the Forest situation and the Everton situation is as well. Forest's accounting period counts for a year in the Championship as well, so that's slightly, di- so they're slightly down to different. Like Sixty million for that year. Aren't but they? Everton's is also, which we've not discussed on this show, what we did when it came out initially. They tried to offset a ludicrous amount of money on COVID losses yeah. more than any other football team did. And I try to say, this is what we lost because of COVID. Which, so like, they they already tried to basically cheat the rules as it was prior to that. So like, this is the thing, it's, it's fucked. And there's no, there's no two situations that are absolutely identical, which, which this is why it's going to be interesting to see what they do next can, with this. So can I ask a question then in terms of, Obviously, they've broken the rules, and we'll find out how much how much they've gone over or whatever. If they've gone a similar amount over, and it's not a ten point deduction, that is an absolute yeah, yeah, course, yeah, diabolical. Yeah. It's just horrific. It, it's ridiculous. But also on that, I obviously just said that you can't talk fifty points off them for being a hundred mil over, yeah. let's say. But that's just based on the ten points that they've gave for sixteen mil or whatever. What does City get? Because City might not have actually gone. City is delaying the information. Well, City isn't stuff. the same. Yeah. So, and this is what goes back is... to Chloe. This is because this is low hanging fruit. Because Everton have basically handed them a bunch of accounts that have gone. You've broken the rules. Effectively, is what they've done. City haven't done that. City have handed them a base load of cooked books and gone. Now we're fine. And they've gone. Well, hang on a second. And then every attempt they've had to try and find out more information, City have refused to send them documents over or put lawyers in the way and, and send things to like small courts over a variety of t- injunctions to stop them from doing X, Y, and Z along the way. So who the fuck knows? It be, you know, it, this is one of those things where anyone ever played like um, competitive puzzle games against someone where like whether it's Puzzle Bobble or Tetris or whatever and you stack up a bunch of things and it drops a load of shit on the other side. This has got a bit of that feeling of like, you know... At some point, hopefully, it's just going to go mm. on City, and it has to be something absolutely huge and and and, but and game changing. But the Premier League, I've seen what happened with UEFA and Manchester City. You know, they ha- they have to do everything right against City, or they'll fail. Yeah. and they can't be seen to fail against it. But that's going to take time, unfortunately. I, I, yeah, yes. But I, I do have a little bit of a thing with the UEFA thing because a lot of their getting away with it in inverted commas was was time barred, and that's yeah, why yeah. they got away with so much. Whereas the Premier League, that doesn't exist. But so the time bar is them just going, oh well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but that was a sort of a, a pre a backdated thing that was there. That Man City could say, "Hang on, well, this is only dated five years ago, so therefore it doesn't exist anymore." Whereas the Premier League don't have that. So Man City don't have that safety blanket. Like a lot of Man City fans will point to that UEFA thing being overturned and say, "Well, look, we got away with that." Exactly, but they they'll say that it was. They'll point at that and go, "Look, they were proven innocent. You weren't proven innocent. Exactly. You were proven yeah. guilty. They, they, but it wasn't allowed to be punished because of the time bar. Yeah, they did yeah. everything wrong in that case. It just so happened they quite literally got away with it. Yeah, that's the thing. It's fine to know. I mean, it's fine to know how much they're over and then how much is a baseline. But theirs goes beyond money. Their, Man City's no, issue isn't really yeah, a financial one. It's, it's, it's lying. All it's lying. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it'll be interesting to see what happens because I think because of the fact that Everton's already been there that it'll probably just be a fine. But if Forrest City. have gone over... Uh, not City. Everton. Everton. Um, at, at, at this point, my brain's thinking it's far too long gone that someone will forget about City and what they've done. Um, but 
if Nottingham Forest have gone over by 16 mil and don't get a 10-point deduction, they, but because you've already fined Everton, because you've already deducted points off Everton, you feel like you can't do it again. Oh, no, that's well, that's the, the problem. Oh, this is the difficulty is that we'll go back to the season and season thing. Everton right now are being fined for last year's improprieties and now they're being fined for this year's improprieties except they've been fined for last year's improprieties in this season so in, there's no reason why if, if it's a similar thing they should just get at the same point deduction again that's what should follow but it is actually really kind of it is unfair that you know it's not because they've broken the rules but it's unfair on that again they've fallen in that crossover period it's like I mean, they're those, trying to play catch up and get it in season yeah, well it's a bit like you know the, I mean those clubs who got promoted from the old second division straight to the Premier League now technically they went up a division but it was because the year the Premier League was in, invented it's one of those certain things happen in crossover periods where you know it is a, it is a bit of a mush and a mess and it's the most Everton thing ever for it to be them by the way well, yeah. to be fair I, I remember speaking to quite a lot of Evertonians and they were like you know, it's crap that it's happened, but at least it's happened in a season where we feel like we're good enough to to escape the drop zone, even with a minus ten point deduction. If they get another one, I'm not. Should sure we should we have a look at what that would look like? Let's look at it. So, the bottom of the Premier League right now, Everton seventeenth on seventeen points with that minus ten deduction already. They would be on twenty seven, which would have them as eleventh in the league. Um, if you took ten off, that would put them then on seven points, which would put them bottom of the Premier League two points behind currently bottom Sheffield United and on course nine. if they keep getting point reductions <laughs> to break Derby's record there is something by the way um, just to kind of get back to laughing at Everton rather than empathising with them because you know fuck that um it feels like they've they've crossed over a threshold a bit on this. There was so much fight and defiance around the first one. It's a Premier League club, Premier League, just fuck the Premier League. And now, uh, Sente Carl, our good friend from Have Away Pod, um, tweeted, take all the points of Everton, relegate them, send them into administration. The club is rotten to the core, destroyed and run into the ground for decades. Be surprised if anything left for the club in a couple of years. Fucking sad. And I've seen loads of them all doing this. Like It's gone from fuck the Premier League to... Fuck oh, this is this club. <laughs> fuck Everton, the yeah. fucking idiots. Um, yeah, just fuck them. Right. Just fuck them. Just give them all the points deduction. It does feel like it's like, yeah, I don't know whether this is the last one. You know, like the last time you can sweep someone's legs from under them before they decide not to bother trying to get up anymore. That's so funny. They're going to open this stadium and have no fans left. Everyone's just giving up. It's just like, I'm fucking, I was saying to you before, they're all there going, God, I wish it was Monday so we could start work again. This weekend's horrible being an Everton fan. They just ate the weekends, they ate the footy, they ate their lives. They're waiting for that new manager bounce, I said before to you, didn't I? The 10 point the 10 deduction point, bounce. The 10 point deduction bounce. That's, uh, yeah. That stadium is going to be like that, those episodes of Grand Designs where they pour all the money into like to convert in a castle and then it, um, and I came back two years later and yeah they couldn't afford it so they sold it straight away you know what I mean? like that, that stadium is going to be sold off for parts long before a game of football if, is played on it if they go into the championship let's say mm-hmm. all of their like finances goes down another level yeah. isn't there yeah. which means could they even afford that if they got another 10 point deduction and went down could I'm, they afford that I think stadium? I'm looking forward to at some point the semi-finals <laughs> of the FA Cup returning to different uh, mm. different stadiums and Everton being in the championship watching Liverpool play semi-finals of the FA Cup in their at, new stadium the, yeah Bramley Moor <laughs> brilliant yeah. at least it's got the word dock in it that's the main thing yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, funny, 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 and also a bit shit in a general football sense. But we'll see more, plenty more to come from that. Definitely more um, moody people in Liverpool. Let me tell you that. Yeah. Thanks to Paul and the guys for that one. Let's move on. It was a show I hosted this week. It's Jano Insights. Each and every Tuesday, Neil Jones joins us to discuss the latest happenings off the field at Liverpool FC. And yet this week, Neil was talking about Liverpool's contract situations. The Reds in 2025 are going to have Van Dijk, Salah and Alexander-Arnold all out of contract. So what's going on? I asked Neil Jones just that. I was reading The Athletic this morning, as I, I tend to do. James Pearce, obviously, you don't know if this is because there's a quiet time in the window or whatever it was, but you speak about Liverpool's contract and what Liverpool have got coming up on the horizon, and, and one of the, the stories about contracts is that if you asked, if I asked you for like Liverpool's five most important players, I reckon every single one of us would have Mo Salah, Virgil van Dijk and Trent Alexander-Arnold <laughs> in that list. Yeah, yeah. Adding, I mean, you probably put Alisson in there and, and add whoever mm. else you want. Um, they're all out of contract in 2025. James says, as it stands, formal discussions over renewals are yet to get underway. We've already obviously had the Salah situation with Saudi. Already little little snippets from Spain about Trent Alexander-Arnold being on, on Real Madrid's hit list at times as well. Virgil van Dijk, obviously, is our club captain. It, it is... It's very rare Liverpool got themselves in this situation actually with um, almost the money from, you know, Salah stuff where we had our three big guns all yeah. around the contract at a similar time. <laughs> now, these are all in different stages of the career, different positions, but there's a lot of work for, at the moment, your Schmadke and whoever else, if he, yeah. if he stays or goes, they are three massive, massive decisions that, and contracts that Liverpool are going to give out. Yeah. Three huge top earners at the football club who all deserved and all could get big money at other clubs as well. It's yeah. a... It feels like these are ones that are going to have to, they're going to start ramping up soon. But if we go through all three separately, Neil, um, let's start with Mo Salah because is 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 the, the, the his future's probably been most in doubt of these three, given what happened in the summer. Like, look how important Mo Salah still is to Liverpool. Different type of player, but he's still you know the, the goal scorer, assist supreme. We're all talking about how devastated we are that he's gone away for Afghan for a month. Um, his is the one where I can't see Van Dijk and Trent leaving this summer coming. Salah, there's still that doubt around because of the Saudi interest. It's going to be how I don't even know how you approach this subject. You say more money, less money, same again. How many years? There's a there's a, there's a million questions on the yeah. Salah contract situation. Yeah, and and the last negotiation was big enough to be the subject of a a university business. Um, what's the word? Uh, you know, the doctor uh, yeah, like, I, I mean, it, it was used an example. Study on it, it was a study, yeah, that's the word. Um, <laughs> Ironic that we couldn't. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we need to study. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, so it was clearly a, 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 a tough negotiation, a complicated one. And since then, a team has come in and played bid 150 million yeah. pounds or whatever for him. So. Yeah, and, and, and that will that will hold. A, a, a lot of has to a lot of the key to the, to what happens. I think I think from a Liverpool point of view, from football and sense, I think there's a big case to be made that you keep him and you try and you try and extend. You know, even if you just said you want to sign an extra couple of years, not one more year, even would be helpful. Um, cause I, th- I still think he's important. I still think he's able to play at the level, and I still think he's he's worthy of his status in the team. I don't think I don't think he's declining or declined. Um, he, he signed in 2017 he's played 332 games yeah like, remarkable the, the, again touch wood honestly every part is, like, he's always fit he's never injured yeah. he, he, his record speaks for itself he's the type of player who you can go you know what I understand there's this rule of like you know 
outplays, overpays, etc., etc. But he's an example. He's, he's, an he's, he's a freak. He's, a, he's, he's in every single way. Like, yeah. If, you, if the rules are meant to be broken, you break them for players like Mohamed Salah, who, who have never let you down in terms of fitness, injury records, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I think I think there is a, a case to be made. But like, what what would be the what would change it would be what what's on offer elsewhere and you know from a Liverpool perspective does he want to leave does he want to leave yeah. what, what's the money that they can get for selling him what's the what's the demands of, of, of his wages if he were to stay I don't think there's any question about are we you know if you had to keep him against his wishes you wouldn't get you'd go on strike or you wouldn't get the sort of the level out of him I think that would be that would be fine but I think this summer is a decision to be made for Liverpool in terms in terms of that. I would always lean, you know, I would have lent to it with both of the others that you mentioned, Mane and Firmino. I would always have lent to, well, just keep him until his contract goes. I don't mind. He's given enough to Liverpool that another year of him is worth more than 100 million now. Um, but I'm not sure Liverpool would would subscribe to that. It's interesting as well, Neil. Like because a lot of these massive players, and listen, Salah is he's a world superstar. He's one of the best players on the planet. But like it feels like you talk about like a player, like how stories get out. I might be wrong, but it feels like he's got like a very insular team. It's obviously him and his agents do a lot of this. And like every now and then, his agent tweets. So there's a report, yeah. wasn't he linking him with Spain? As agent just reported saying you you don't know. Yeah, like, so, well, it was an old report, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, an old report that he's, he's, he's come back out and said, yeah, you just don't know. Was his exact words? Was Rami Abbas? He says, yeah. tweet. It feels like it's hard to get these like to get a sense of what the Salah camp wants yeah, because the Salah think, camp don't speak. But I think that even, I think even that's, the Saudi stuff we didn't. That's obviously very deliberate, yeah. isn't it? You know, he doesn't tie himself into. He doesn't speak when he speaks. He speaks equivocally, doesn't he? You know, if he, uh, unequivocally, sorry. You know, he says. You know, even if you think about some of the things he says, when he just tweets in the middle of the season, he say, "I promise you, we will get top four. That was that was one in the in the pandemic season. He said, "I promise you, we'll get top four. You know, he just he doesn't waste time sort of after every game going, "Ah, yeah, well, you know, with this or leave his options open. He he sort of he, he nails his colours when he does speak, but he doesn't speak very often. Yeah. So. I understand. No leaks, there's no big, yeah, no I understand big, why. Yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of there's a lot of noise. I mean, look, you, you saw in the summer how many people were saying things like it's a done deal. You know, you know, there was some obvious ones that we can we, we won't we won't sort of bring up. But there were people saying, yeah, it's, it's done. You know, he's, he's leaving. It's going to get announced once the the, the, uh, the English window shuts and blah 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 and this and that. And it didn't. He he kept his counsel on it. His agent kept his counsel on it. Apart from one tweet, I think where he said. We wouldn't have signed the contract if we weren't planning on being here. Yeah. Um, now you could read into that. Well, it was a it was a three year contract, wasn't it? That they signed. Does that mean that 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 applies for the entirety of the three year contract? Possibly. Um, and would it change if if Salah was to inform Liverpool? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do me three years, and I don't want to renew, no matter what you offer me. Maybe, but I think Liverpool hold a few more cards than they they, they might have thought. Well, the Saudi League looking like I a think, bit of I think, become, <laughs> I think that's become a little bit less of a. I, I wouldn't say it's become less of a threat because the money, the money is yeah, the money is huge and and of course, but I don't think it's as easy to make the case from from Salah's point of view beyond the money. You know, I think 
if, if it had gone really and grown and grown and you were looking in January and it was taking more and more players you would start to think well a little bit like the um, you know, someone like John Rahm in the golf with, with, with the Livers like, well actually you know it's going right, it makes sense to me, boxes, me to, boxing, yeah it makes sense to me to jump it's a little less sport and wise I think to, to make that argument so that, that plays into Liverpool's hands and the way that he's performed this season again shows that he's an ultimate professional he's still at the very high level and Liverpool are competing for, for honours in, in, uh, at the high level as well so it's, it's, it's moved back into a sort of Liverpool's case is stronger towards Salah isn't it really do you want to go there you know don't you want to go and win have another crack at the Champions League don't you you know you might win the Ballon d'Or if Liverpool if Liverpool win two or three trophies this season you know if you win if they come you know I, I think they're up against it but if they go and win AFCON uh, this you know this this current version do you want to do that do you want to get, take your team to the next World Cup you know I think there's there's more for Liverpool maybe to put in the opposite camp than than we might have suspected this time twelve months ago, yeah, this time a year ago, um, where you might have said oh, Liverpool on the way down is Salah actually on the way, you know, potential. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think Liverpool are in a little bit of a stronger position at the moment, but can change, Absolutely. of course. But I think I, I look my my thing would be the 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 last thing that I would do would be sell Salah this summer. Out of all the options Liverpool have got, the last thing I would do would be sell them. Yeah, I'm go for not in the year after. Yeah, I would. After I, I genuinely would. Yeah. Let's, let's do Trent next then because this to me feels the obvious one. Of like this, you just expect this to get done. Yeah, you can't see a world where Liverpool sells Trent Alexander Arnold, which no. everyone wants to go anywhere. He's he's already the heir apparent. He will be the captain of the football club at some point in the near future. This one feels like it's just a, a case. There'll be a number and a way that you've got a match, and he yeah. deserves it because again, so I'm some of the best players in the world. He is one. He's. I think this season you've seen him. As a character, does that make sense? Like we've yeah, always yeah, said, Trent yeah. the player, but Trent the man, senior player. Yeah, Trent the man. He's the captain. He's 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 done. You can tell how he's carrying himself. It this just feels like it's more if than probably when than if. Yeah, look, everything everything Liverpool have done in the last twelve months, in particular, but beyond that, it points to them bringing Trent into the centre of their their world and their picture, and, and it, literally as well at times, um, as well as metaphorically, but making him vice captain building the tactical structure of the team around him yeah. um, you know demanding more from him you see in the way that he's come back and I think he was one you know you talk about backing your words up with actions you know Trent I remember speaking to him back end of last season May just before Firmino's last game it was at Anfield and him saying I am you know I am absolutely determined that this won't happen again this season you know we won't be in this position again I, I, I'm taking responsibility we all are and he's talking about backing it up he come, he come back like a new new man um, you know he spent his, his summer what, what was it up in um, in Seattle I think it was or he was, it's, he was up in the mountains somewhere in, in America or in the hills doing his, his fitness training his altitude training um, wherever Under Armour are based and he's um He's been in brilliant form, and he's been, you know, if you, if you were to pick your six nominations for the PFA Player of the Year, I think he's in, he's in them, isn't he? Yeah. Um, potentially a winner if, if if Liverpool go in the direction that they're going in at the moment. Continue. I think it has, to, you know, that can only point to Liverpool sort of giving him what he, pretty much what he wants, and I don't see him at this stage looking to to. Jump ship. I think he's. Uh, I think he's quite happy with that responsibility. I think he actually relishes that responsibility, and I think he'll get it at Liverpool. So, 
I would be surprised if there was any any hiccups in a in a Trent Alexander Arnold situation. So let's talk about Van Dijk then because it is the interesting one both in terms of age and a few different things. So Virgil's thirty two now; he turns thirty three uh, in July. July he, yeah. yeah, he was born in July ninety one. So he's got two more years left. He's taking him into his mid thirties. I think, and again, I'm just speaking for myself, but if you'd have said, you know, in two years' time, Virgil, where are you at with him? You're like, because after post injury, I think we'd all agree that he he, he wasn't the Virgil of old. Yeah. But this season, A, he's the captain of the football club, and B, he's been back to somewhere near the Virgil van Dijk that we that we became accustomed to. Is this more one that you just kind of play out? You, you leave it because, again, he is in his mid-30s. The injury situation's a little bit different than what Mo Salah's has been as well. How do you see the van Dijk one yeah. play out? Because given he is the captain, which we're, we're, we're mentioning, so in 2025, he'll still be the captain. Nothing's going to change there. Like the flip level, a captain just go for on. Like the captain of the World Cup just walk away. Like yeah, sold a few. Well, Steven Gerrard walked away. Um, yeah, but that was more. His, was, was that his choice or was that theirs? Oh well, they, yeah. I think I, I think they could have kept him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think they could have done more to keep him. Um, yeah, yeah, true. He, uh, yeah, I think it depends what Liverpool's plans are in the in the centre back position as well. Because we we talk a lot about left sided centre back, don't we? Or you know, a left footed centre back. Obviously, that that is a replacement for Van Dijk, essentially, isn't it? You know, if you if, you, if that's what you're buying, you you're buying someone who's either gonna rotate with Van Dijk or, or take over from him. So, if Liverpool are to go and spend a lot of money on on a player who plays in that position, then that that's a, a decent sort of marker for what they're what they're planning. Yeah. I think Van Dijk's level again, talking about Alexander Arnold, Salah, his level this season has been immense. Yeah, been you know, he's been yeah again. He, I think he's another one. If you're doing the the, the PFA, um, I think list. everyone in, to fill the January void loads a team of the season so far. Oh, yeah, Van Dijk was an I mean, I think exactly. I don't. You know, he's one. He's a non-negotiable, in, in, isn't he? Really. Yeah. Um, I, I I could see a situation where it's you know Liverpool just add a tag on a year or two onto that. I don't I don't see why you know it doesn't have to be a five-year contract or you know that kind of thing. But I think Van Dijk. I think for the 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 service he's given, the levels that he's reached, the influence that he has at the club, and you know you look at okay, you look at someone like Thiago Silva for example. I think Van Dijk could do that. Yeah. I think Van Dijk could go 36, 37, 38. Um, so while it is, of course, it does have to impact maybe the length of the contract that you give a player, or or even the sort of the guaranteed salary that you give a player. Of course, it changes when you get to a certain age. I don't think Liverpool needs to have too many fears about whether he's going to be a good enough player to play for them going forward if he's fit and available. He doesn't run anyway, so you might. He doesn't run. He's brilliant in the air. <laughs> you know, he's he's an organizer, of course, um, and he and he has still does have that sort of aura of kind of people stay away from him, don't they? You know, you look at the stats after a game when Ibu Kanate's played and you, the duels and the sort of you know the the the, the tackles that they've had to make. It's always the other defender looks like he's had to do more of the work, doesn't he? Because I think teams do stay away from so I think Van Dijk's another one at Liverpool I, I, I don't I don't see a situation where Liverpool say ah you know what thanks for everything Virgil we've had enough of that I think I think Liverpool will at least make an attempt to, to keep to prolong that that stay um, and you know I've never I've never heard or never had any sort of a vibe from Virgil that he sort of looks elsewhere with any um, any great sort of uh, he was actually asked in the summer about Saudi um, just after he'd taken over as captain I was I was there I think it was at Preston I think it was when, we, when he played Preston Darmstadt at Preston and um, he was asked did you have the chance to go to Saudi Arabia and, he, and his, his reply was and 
I don't think it was meant in the way it will sound as a dig at Jordan Henderson, but he said, I'm the captain of Liverpool. You know, like, I, I, I'm, this is my, I'm very, very happy with this sort of um, lot. I think that remains the case, personally. I don't see him being someone who's going to sort of, you know, give up on his top-level career before he needs to. I suppose, well, looking at the fact, because the, 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 I think the story is that they're all out of contract at the same time. Yeah, that's a big... And that's a worry. But, 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 but again, sorry, to, go, to, to add in another point, is it is, but look at what Liverpool have taken off their wage bill in the last two years. Yeah. 12 months Henderson Henderson uh, Fabinho Firmino Milner Keita Oxley chamberlain um, Thiago will probably go off it in the, in the summer as well yeah. that that gives you and the players they've brought okay yeah you know they're not they pay money but McAllister okay Brighton wages to Liverpool wages I don't think I don't think that's a sort of a, a, a structure busting one I don't think Soboslai is one Endo's not one Gravenberg you know, I think they're in a position now where they can look and say, "Well, who are the who are the pillars of our our team?" And they did it. They did it quite successfully around the time they won the league, didn't they? They they, they picked we out five or six players, seven, maybe even more. In fact, it was around at the time of the sorry, it was the time of the quadruple season. Was they did Allison, they did Van Dijk, they did Henderson, Trent Robertson, yeah. uh, Fabinho, I think was another one. They, they went down that road, didn't they? And I think that you'll see a little bit of that now, where they go right, okay, and it might be that it's it's Salah. Van Dijk and Trent it might be that it's Canate um, you know we see him as the future we see Curtis Jones as being a, you know our, our, our sort of man in that position we see Darwin Nunez as, as our number nine for years to come you know Gakpo it might be it might not look as obvious as kind of the, the six or seven that were, were around there but I think you will see Liverpool go on that kind of uh, retaining spree at some point in the next well in 2024 I would imagine does the Schmeichel thing finally does, does that have any impact on his whatsoever the fact that like, they haven't got a long term person in place yeah. or is this above his head because these are this is like an ownership thing or these are your three three of your four or five best players as well but he's uh, someone's got to have the conversations yeah. and, and we don't know well, where Mike Gordon, you've got Mike Gordon obviously yeah. you, you handle a lot of the Salah um, negotiations last time along with Julian Ward they went to the villa didn't they and uh, when they yeah. him on the photos yeah yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> um, of course it does impact because it's like, well, how easy is it to do it when you you, you come into the last month or two of your your, your time? I saw there was a Christian Falk I think wrote that there's still a chance that Smacker stays. You know, he likes he likes working for Liverpool. It's whether or not the sort of the whole the whole thing works out for everyone that he stays. But yeah, it, it does it does have some impact. But like I say, they've still got the people in place. They've still got the owners. They've got the manager who, who's obviously got a big say. And do you want them to stay? Do you, you know? Do you, how are you going to use them? And you've got you've got Mike Gordon who who is the man really that even if for all of the the power that the sporting director has in terms of you know operational, actually Mike Gordon's the one who has to. He get, he's, he has the final say really in terms of okay do I get the sign off do I, do do we do we push a button on this do we do we expedite this situation it, it usually comes back to him and, and FSG. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs. United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Thanks to Neil for that one. Let's move on then. Expert inside time. Dan Club back in the hot seat. And this week he was talking with Toke Thialde, who's basically his job. Well, he's a Danish football expert. And Liverpool have been linked to Morton Frendrup, Danish footballer. So yeah, here's Dan and here's Toke talking about Morton Frendrup. Okay, interesting. That that fits the bill really, for Liverpool. Because when I seen the fact that he'd been playing a little bit more advanced in Italy, I thought, well, Liverpool have got a plethora of number eight now with Gravenberg, McAllister, Sabozlai, Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott. You think, do we need another one? But if he is more of a defensive minded, that makes a bit more sense. Um, you mentioned what would probably come under the category of his strengths there. But if you really had to sort of nail down what he was exceptional at, what would it be? Would it be the ball, the tension, the winning the ball back, that type of stuff? Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I I don't want to to limit him to being a, a player who's only who's only good defensively because obviously he 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 can still put his keep uh, teammates in good positions and he's not throwing away the ball offensively. But I would say, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he just has a great eye for the ball. He great positioning. Really, really smart player and. Uh, I think when you when you watch him play, you you don't think that's a twenty two year old that is is playing. He he is he's playing with the experience of of a of an older player and and also I think I mean obviously Liverpool is one of the biggest clubs in the world, so I, I don't want to compare any anything to that. But I think it should be mentioned that Bunbury is 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 the most popular club in Denmark, and there's a lot of pressure on the players there as well. A lot of expectations. It's the club that the most media is covering, and yeah, obviously Genoa is, is a big club in Italy too. So he has he has tried to play with a lot of pressure. He has to try to be under the the microscope at all time, and he has tried to play for for a fan base who is demanding success and and winning matches, which I think is a it's a big difference to a lot of the other players who are coming from smaller clubs in Denmark, for example. All the stars who are going away from Northland, they they are creating a lot of talents like Kudos, who who played plays for West Ham now, but at that club, for example, there's much less pressure. There's no fans, there's no media really. So we often see players 
from some of those clubs struggle when they go abroad because suddenly suddenly you have a teammate who who is tackling you hard for your spot in the team and you have media who who are very critical and and all of that he has already tried and been through everything from from a very young age so, so i think like on a personal level that i think that's a big uh, advantage for him as well compared to many other danish talents yeah 100% yeah that definitely bodes well doesn't it but there is no as you mentioned there there's not really many pressures like playing for the Liverpool football club albeit I would suggest that us as fans give young players and new players a little bit of time to uh, to adapt to their new surroundings. Um, in terms of weaknesses, then, is there anywhere you think, you mentioned earlier on, is passing games improving? Is there any more areas you need to continue to improve on? I think he can definitely contribute more offensively uh, and, and um, I mean get a bigger role offensively uh, take more take more responsibility also physically he can he can grow he's still a quite quite slim player um and and I think especially playing in more physical English football and more tackles and everything he could probably have advantage of of uh, gaining a little bit of extra kilos of muscle and 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 that but mostly from a physical standpoint he he's in pretty great shape he he is not the type of guy you need to take out because he gets uh, he gets tired at the end of games or anything like that. But but I would say maybe a little a little bit of of extra muscles. But yeah, yeah, usually it comes with the age as well, of course. Yeah, we've we've seen that with the Trent actually come into the side yeah. after you come through the academy as a slender kid, and you think, oh, okay, but all of a sudden he's an absolute beast himself. Um, just away from the football inside of things, ever so slightly, you mentioned a moment ago how he's had to deal with quite intense pressure and scrutiny, being a Bromby and stuff like that. Obviously, he's made the move away from his homeland in Denmark to Italy, new surroundings. So he clearly doesn't feel like he's faced by anything so him personally attitude wise you've seen a lot of him a lot more than we have nothing no real red flags there I guess I don't think so I think it's it's also a huge advantage for Liverpool that he has already lived abroad and uh, he he already has that experience obviously he speaks English already uh, I mean I don't know exactly what at what level but growing up in Denmark you definitely learn English so it should be quite easy for him to adjust and and integrate at, at, at Liverpool for sure. Um, at, at a young age, he had a habit of, of picking up some um, sometimes unnecessary cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned that red card he got in the championship match, but he looking at his statistics and, and everything, it, it kind of went away in the end. I think it was mostly a young, a young player settling in in the team and uh, yeah, not really a big concern anymore. No, it doesn't sound like it. Maturing physically and uh, mentally, it appears. Um, I've got to ask you this. I ask everybody this when I do these type of shows. Um, who would you compare him to in terms of style, in terms of the way he goes about his business? And I've got to say this on this occasion. Is he the next Jan Mulby? <laughs> I, I never really got to watch Jan Mulby, unfortunately. Uh, but from what I, I, I've heard from... Uh, from my my father who watched him a lot, I don't think so. As I understand it, he was much more forward, playing uh, long passes, creative things, which doesn't really um, it's not really Frendrup's game. I think one comparison that comes to mind, and 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 uh, I hope you don't take this the wrong way because he was not too good for Liverpool. But I think Christian Paulsen, for example, um, he was one of the. Yeah, I can see on your face you're not really sure where I'm going here, but I'm listening. <laughs> But before he went to Liverpool, he was one of the greatest defensive midfielders that that Denmark had. Was really really good at um, 
really good at Sevilla, um, and of course earned that move to both Liverpool and Juventus. Um, and I think he has some kind of the same intelligence on the pitch, the same the same cleverness with positioning, and of course the same kind of uh, he's a hard player and uh, he's not afraid of tackling and he's not afraid of tackling players who are much bigger than him. So I think if if we are staying in in the Danish uh, department, I, I would compare him to to him and uh, yeah then then but but let's say the Sevilla Christian Paulson and not the, the Liverpool Christian Paulson. Yeah, as long as not the Liverpool one. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not quite working out is an understatement, I think, for uh, Christian Paulson. But you're right. Funnily enough, I had this conversation the other day in around something else, and yes, it's Liverpool time didn't work out at all. But a good footballer, like a, a really good footballer. You know what I mean? He gets unfairly criticised from Liverpool fans because some Liverpool fans just think. That's all he ever was, the Liverpool version, but there were different versions of him. Um, yeah, I think he got like 100 games for Denmark and, yeah, and yeah. obviously he played in that Sevilla team with Dani Alves and uh, that won the UEFA Cup and so on. So, yeah, he was he was really, really and good for Schalke as well before yeah. that. You, you don't move to Juventus or Liverpool without being a, a proper footballer, I think it's fair to say. Um, on Fendrup, he's represented Denmark at pretty much every youth level. Um, is he? I think he's been involved in some squads maybe at the Danish national team. I don't think he's played just yet, but does he feel like a future star of that Denmark team? Yeah, I think it's just a matter of time. I think it's uh, right now we have uh, we have Thomas Delaney, we have Christian Erko, but most of the cent- uh, Christian Eriksen, of course, but most of the central midfielders, Premier Hybe as well, they're all around 30 or on the wrong side of 30 already. So there's definitely a generation shift coming and 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 with him performing the way he is, I think it's it's only a matter of time. And and actually I wouldn't be surprised if if he gets his debut this this spring and, and maybe even is is one of the players considered for for the Euro this summer because, because he is uh, it's it's definitely only a matter of time before he he takes that last step. Interesting. Okay, and just finally, um, just to round off, then obviously the links to Liverpool are genuine by all accounts. Um, Premier League ready? Does he suit Jurgen Klopp? Um, and also just to sort of finish, how high do you rate his potential? How far can this kid go? I think he definitely suits the style because when he came into the Wanderer team originally, actually, we we also had a German head coach, and uh, that was the most physical team that has played in in uh, in the Danish league, where they were, I mean, they they were running several kilometers more than all the opponents every game, really, really intense, high pressure, super aggressive style. So he got that in with. With his blood, basically uh, during that time, and the same team that won the league, he's played aggressively. I think they've been a little bit more passive in in Italy, mm-hmm. but but yeah, that aggressive style and and the kicking pressure and counter attacks that would I think that would suit him really well. And and I mean he he's not like a light lightning fast player, but but when he has the ball at his feet, he can definitely move it forward fast as well, and 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 has a good eye for the right options when when progressing an attack. So. I think he would he would fit quite well with with the uh, with the Liverpool style, and I also think his stamina levels are well suited for for all the matches in the Premier League. Um, I don't think that would be an issue, uh, at, at least not not long term, to to settle to playing a lot of matches because he's already always been in great shape and always managed to to take really good care of himself, being really professional. In terms of 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 the of the level, I mean. I think Liverpool is is huge, so 
it, I, I, I cannot say for sure that he definitely will be the next Fabinho or anything like that because that's just such an insane level that it, it's it's tough to predict. But I, I think if he's given the chance, I don't think there's any... I wouldn't fear that he falls through or anything like that um, because he, he grows with the challenges and, and he, he's professional, he's smart. Um, if if it's enough to be a key player for Liverpool, that that's difficult to say. But but I, I think he will definitely be some someone that the fans appreciate a lot and somebody who can be really popular for for the way he acts, the way he plays and 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 carries himself. I think that's something. He's definitely somebody that that fans will 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 like. Cheers to Dan and the guys for that one, yeah, and hopefully loads of my pronunciations there weren't incorrect because I'll be honest, I did wing that a little bit right then. Let's move on. An easier name to talk about this time, it's Anthony Godfrey. He was in expert in tight seat with Dan once again. Anthony used to work at the LFC Academy. He was there when the likes of Curtis Jones, Trent Alexander-Arnold were coming up through the ranks. He's now moved on to run his own coaching academy, but Dan picked his brains about the former Reds coach. And that takes us nicely onto a tweet you've tweeted out recently after the Arsenal game, because essentially it was a pitch with the academy. Great night for this place. Five academy graduate players on the pitch today. Yeah. Obviously, Trent, Curtis Jones, Joel Conser, Connor Bradley and Bobby Clark, which kind of was a little bit of inspiration around this show when we sat here, because you're right, ultimately. I mean, the emergence of Curtis Jones, Joel Conser, absolute success story from this season. Connor Bradley in recent weeks has been incredible. Um, you've got Bobby Clark, as you mentioned, even the likes of, you know, Kate Gordon and different senses yeah. in and around it now. Ben Doak as well has been in and around it prior to his unfortunate injury. It ultimately, to sort of kick us off on this little section now, it must just be absolutely bossy and these lads coming through and having an impact on the first team. Yeah, uh, listen, I, I know obviously when, when these kind of nights happen, you know, it's... It's it's a huge success for the academy, and they need to take a lot, of, obviously, a lot of satisfaction. And I'm sure that they do when they when they see nights like the Arsenal game in particular, because you don't realise just how hard it is, you know, and the challenge that you know the coaches and also the players that you know throughout their kind of youth careers to kind of get to that level. So it, it was a, an amazing night just to kind of see that to see you know five of them in particular, and mm-hmm. you know, and three of them. We're actually from kind of, I think, Freedom. We're, yeah, they were Freedom from the pre-academy days yeah. as well. So you've got your Trent, your Jarrell mm-hmm. and Curtis yeah. that have been with the club, you know, since they were like seven, eight, nine or ten. So, and then obviously, you know, Bobby um, and uh, Connor, they've come in, obviously, the last kind of couple of years, Connor, slightly a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, you know, an amazing night and hopefully that can continue that we can potentially see more because I think it means an awful lot to the supporters as well no absolutely I think it's, I think it's quality I really do um, and on Trent especially let's start with him to begin with yeah. because you mentioned obviously been in the club um, mm-hmm. for many years now since he obviously got the vice captaincy started this campaign I mean what he's capable of on a footy pitch is just quite frankly ridiculous but beyond that as well I mean just how much it means to obviously him to play for Liverpool how much it means to the academy to see him doing what he's doing now Trent, at this moment in time, for me, is just in a league of his own, in a world of his own, in terms of what he's obviously achieving this year. And, you know, and, uh, you know, one of my own stories, obviously, towards Trent was my very first session as a, as a 21 year old. So when I got invited into Liverpool Academy, and it was on trial, believe it or not, as a coach, okay. same thing applies. <laughs> as a coach, you come in and, you know, they want to see what you're about. 
the one of the first ever sessions uh, was to kind of just go in, drop in, and just go and assist around the coaches that were doing the pre academy at the time. And the the pre academy session was uh, a seven or eight year old Trent, uh, believe it or not, for the under eights. So to to kind of obviously see obviously where Trent was then to where he is now, it's special. It means an awful lot. And although obviously I was never around, you know, you know Trent teams or the age groups like that, you. you still obviously follow you know players processes and then to see where it is now you know Trent it was uh, you know and you know this through the coaches that he had at the academy was an absolute sheer competitor hate losing you know sometimes you know his, his attitude towards losing might not have been the best but the way he's applied himself over recent years and, and again you know the last couple of years some of the uh, the press highlighting about obviously is defending and, and whatnot. You know what Trent possesses in other areas of the game. I'll, I'll say this, and I'll say this on Red Men TV. I haven't seen some of the things in world football that what Trent does with the ball. He's like a wizard, uh, and that's obviously you know talking in the same breath as you know Stephen Gerrard and the capabilities that he had with his, his ball striking abilities. So, you know, to see Trent there now as the vice captain, it's absolutely special. And I think obviously the vice captain has given that little bit of ownership and accountability as well to take his game to another level. So I'm absolutely delighted for Trent at this moment in time, and you know, hope, hopefully he can kick on another level or two and see what that looks like. He's not even his prime yet, is he? It's, 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 it's frightening, mate. It is. You're right. His, his innate ability to play footy and to strike a footy is something I've never seen before. It's just, it's inhuman, basically. It's a joke. Um, Curtis Jones is another one I want to dig down a little bit more because yeah. you mentioned there a little bit of criticism around Trent. That comes from the defending, the England stuff a little bit as well, and sort of the national media. There seems to be some sort of um, a scapegoat element to Trent mm. and stuff like that. Everyone seems to pile on whenever he does anything even mm. remotely wrong from a defensive standpoint. But the Curtis Jones one's slightly different because that feels like it was a little bit more in-house sort of within the Liverpool fan base. People weren't having him for whatever reason, but his recent form, and I think Curtis Jones, ever since he got into the first team, obviously we've seen him like hit hit the uh, absolute height of a derby winner on his debut for Liverpool. But ultimately, he's another success story at the academy, local lad, proper scouser, you know, come through the ranks and stay yeah. dot, essentially. I mean, again, you must be incredibly proud to see what he's able to do. Trent, I think over the last kind of two months is is starting to fulfil his potential mm. to to the Liverpool supporters, based on obviously what we're seeing at the at this moment in time is obviously a lot of the stuff that you know the coaches and people that have been watching Trent for many many years yeah. know he's capable of. Yeah. So, you know, for me to see obviously what Kurt is doing is is you know absolutely no surprise to me mm. at all in terms of obviously what he does with the ball. You know, his ball manipulation is pivoting from obviously, you know, one side to the other in terms of what he can do. And it was really interesting to see Klopp, you know, come out and I can't remember exactly what game it was now, but it was quite recently about obviously the speed of play. <laughs> you know, sometimes you can slow, you know, a little bit down. But, uh, you know, Trent, sorry, not Trent Curtis, you know, in, with what he was producing at the academy, especially from like 14, 15. From 14, 15, he really, really kicked on. Mm. You know, he, I remember obviously the year with Barry Adam, I think, at the under-16s, really, really, and he started getting in the English England youth teams. And then, you know, Barry was a big inspiration towards him. Then Steven Gerrard was a huge presence for him for those under-18s. So we knew obviously Curtis was definitely more than capable of being a figure around the first team. But in terms of the position that he plays, mm. you've got to obviously take into account, 
you know, he was playing an awful left, uh, an awful lot as the, you know the left side of the you know attacker, mm. obviously creating scary numbers for the under 18s but you know the under 18s football a lot of people obviously look at that and you see obviously players you know have real success within that so they also think well you know he was scoring all these goals he was assisting all these goals you know a lot of supporters a lot of fans think that will just happen naturally under 18s the premier league football the goal from difference is absolutely massive it takes time he's an attacking player you know and i think what we're guilty of as Liverpool supporters is Robbie Fowler Michael Owen Steven Gerrard and we just happen we just sometimes naturally think you know they should be obviously hitting the ground running after mm-hmm. 10 games because obviously we've been used to them type of players yeah. in the past it doesn't happen like that it does take time and I think they're in such a really good nurturing environment at the moment with the people around them the support framework the loans that's some of the obviously happen as well but with Curtis now it's starting to click and touch wood and I wish him the best of luck there's no injuries that come into play now because he's getting that momentum and it's really important for him Thanks to Dan, thanks to Anthony, and thanks for you guys for listening. That is this week's weekly rounding up. Like I say, go and check out those shows and everything else we do, redmenplus.com. Use that promo code CLOP, you'll get it for not. And as we build up towards, well, there's Bournemouth at the weekend, there's a League Cup semi-final, there's an FA Cup fourth round, we play Chelsea at the end of the month. There's going to be loads and loads of content for you to get yourself stuck into. So yeah, redmenplus.com, go and check it all out. And we'll be back next Friday with another episode of Redmen Weekly. We'll see you all then. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.